My love of technology really took me on a journey early on in my career. Meet Michelle Green. She's the kind of person you want on your team if your business is facing a major overhaul. Over the years, she's worked on seven merger and acquisition transactions, organizational restructurings, and then improvements to reporting and data functions, as well as countless end-to-end business processes. Today, Michelle is the Vice President of Business Technology for Strategy, Transformation, and Governance at Discover Financial Services. That's a mouthful, but what it tells you is just how good she is at managing complexity. On top of that is the 11 times Michelle has led the charge on implementing enterprise resource planning systems. Four years ago, Discover needed someone to lead the project to move their company data onto the cloud. That's more than a system upgrade. A friend introduced me to our chief accounting officer, and they said, hey, we hear that you've done this before nine times. Tell us what's the secret sauce in that. Sure, Discover had done system updates before, and no one knew the Discover way better than Discover's people. But the tweaks and workarounds they had built before were small in comparison to what they wanted to do now. They knew they wanted to move to cloud and they knew that they wanted to simplify. What we didn't know at the time was how complex that was going to be. And a perfect analogy that I have when I do these large-scale transformations is, is think of a rock. You pull up the rock from the ground and you see spider's nest under it. There's always a deep and broad, complex environment under there when you start thinking about systems that have been in place for, you know, 30 plus years. Okay, you might be asking, how complicated could their systems really be? I mean, isn't Discover just a credit card company? We are so much more than that. We're actually a digital bank and lifeline for millions of merchants around the globe. They also offer small business loans, home loans, student loans, personal loans with all these different accounts and transactions. Things can get complicated. Consider this. When it comes to information systems, Discover's finance department alone was running seven highly customized on-premises systems. When Michelle started digging into Discover's systems, she saw several isolated networks of tools and platforms and highly tailored solutions created inside the company by different Discover teams. We actually had a strategy that was based upon build over buy. And so when we were adding all of these different features and functions, we were building and building and building some more. That's where the spider nest happens. You can see how this happens though, right? I mean, project teams design software tools dialed in exactly to their specific needs in specific moments, but when that moment passes... Exactly, those tools might not be able to adapt to changing needs. The only way to advance new projects was to spin up more new tools from scratch and try to weave them in. Running systems by insiders for insiders creates roadblocks anytime they're working with someone who wasn't already part of the team, right? Plus inefficiencies with people duplicating work because they're not able to see what other teams are doing. Yeah, but that was the way things were done. And replacing those old disparate systems with a new unified approach, that was gonna take a real adjustment. And so when Michelle decided she was going to take on Discover's challenge, she knew she was going to have to take a big swing. She didn't want to replace things piecemeal. She wanted to whisk out the spider's nest in one swoop. When Michelle first proposed her bold plan for digital transformation at Discover... You can imagine how that went down. Are you nuts? 
We want to do this in 22 months? This technology has been here for a long time. The challenge was enormous, but so was the upside. I'm Elise Hugh. And I'm Josh Klein. And this is Built for Change, a podcast from Accenture. So Elise, I I know I've worked on a lot of big technology systems that have been uh, unified or accumulated cruft over time and that you want to change things. But but it feels like that's just part of how life works. Systems get more complicated and and then you got to clean them up. That's true. It happens in my home where I need to get my speakers and my TV and my security system and everything out the fridge, the smart fridge to all kind of network and play nice together. It also happens at work where I'm a veteran of newsrooms and we're constantly having, you know, one system for publishing online and a different system for publishing audio and a different for running the television newscast. So it it happens a lot. I imagine. I imagine. It's kind of like the concept of tech debt, which is when you use technology systems over time, you're actually incurring debt by not upgrading them and keeping them more modern. That's right. But so many of these systems, as we saw with Discover's case, they don't necessarily play well together. Like one side of the organization doesn't know what the other side is doing. And so ideally, they take an entire system overhaul so that everything's talking to one another. Which is why today we're talking about interoperability the importance of getting the systems of a business in sync, interacting with each other, exchanging data, and creating a seamless user experience for the people who are all working towards a company's goals. Right. We do all need to clear the spider's nests from time to time. And when businesses do commit to transforming their digital systems, untangling the old processes and opening the lines of communication, it leads to unlocking a company's full potential. This notion of silos, I think, is really important. This is Emma McGuigan, Accenture's global lead for enterprise and industry technologies. We've seen organizations have this siloed behavior over many, many years. You know, the finance or the supply chain or the customer business or the marketing business. And the businesses have been very, very successful working in silos because it gives them a degree of independence within that function that they're working. When companies first went digital, that often meant building a server at their headquarters, hiring techs to maintain it, and commissioning teams to create software tools for all the different aspects of a business. Adding layer after layer to the systems and a kaleidoscope of clashing, duplicative tools, like the situation Michelle Green found at Discover. Whilst we are in 2023, many of our clients are still running critical businesses on mainframe. So you're looking at enterprises running critical parts of their business through solutions that were built 20, 30 plus years ago. Where Michelle sees a spider's nest, Emma sees silos, teams laboring on projects in isolation. We then moved into this client-server world where we started to have separate applications to do different things. You've had this proliferation of application providers providing niche services. So whether it's a specialist around procurement for supply chain or it's a specialist for payment solutions within financial services, you know, we've seen our clients, the average enterprise has gone from less than about 80 applications 10 years ago to over six, seven, eight hundred today. Now that's an explosion because of all of those specialist services. And Emma has a favorite metaphor for that. We developed lots of different cars and lorries and trucks and trains and aeroplanes, and then we want to put them all on the same road. 
That might sound slightly cataclysmic, but if you get to the place where you're trying to drive a 747 down the highway at rush hour, something's gone wrong. In Emma's experience, piling up specialized systems will reach the point where it becomes downright counterproductive. That doesn't really work unless you start to think about how you're going to build from the road upwards to make it work for all of those different vehicles. I think that's how I would think about it. Emma has been on this beat a long time. I'm a seasoned engineer. I grew up, I grew up writing custom code to plug solutions together. Which means that over the years, Emma has gotten a firsthand look at the problems that come from working in silos. So imagine you're the CFO of a business and you're looking for tools that are going to help you with all the kinds of work that you do. The CFO isn't looking at a single application suite anymore. They've got a whole load of additional things plugging in, whether they're doing, you know, any number of things through procurement, through, you know, currency exchanges, to all sorts of things that they've got that are going to be specialists around that. So it's not even that the CFO's only got one solution. They've also got within their world multiple solutions they're working with. All those tools can make the things that one team does seem like a foreign language to another. The cars and trucks don't understand each other's signals. Bad merges lead to pileups. Suddenly, the whole highway is blocked. Those bottlenecks are where Emma sees opportunities for companies to connect these solutions together and to have real-time understand the impact of a decision we're making on one side of the enterprise to the impact it will have on the other. What's available today is an ease and a repeatability around it that just wasn't there 10 or 15 years ago because of the power of cloud, because of those open architectures. And that's, that's really where we can tap into the value. At a time when companies have to respond to supply shocks and disruptions, interoperability in a strong digital core is what companies need if they're going to reinvent their enterprise, drive growth, and optimize their operations. We found that one in three companies have achieved this higher interoperability and they're really accelerating past their competitors in terms of revenue growth. And last year, we saw that they were this opportunity to grow revenue up to six times faster than their peers with low interoperability. So how does this transformation really happen? It all starts with leveraging the latest generation of cloud technology. Nearly two-thirds of companies with high interoperability are adopting public cloud. They're already migrating significant parts of their application landscape and, importantly, their data. Emma says that over the last 10 years, cloud providers have consolidated and the application providers have exploded. It's really important when organizations are making choices that they're choosing the technologies that they're going to be able to plug in and, and integrate into their existing landscape. Using the cloud to connect data across applications is the first step to breaking down those silos and creating some strategic agility. Which brings us to step two, what infrastructure to build once you're there. And by taking a layered approach to, to how we think about technology solutions, you can think from the cloud upwards and integrate, you know, but really in a simple way. The solution is what Emma refers to as composable technology. Very simply, the ability to plug different pieces of application together or infrastructure together to create some new value. Because moving onto the cloud doesn't determine whether the actual tools and platforms used by a company will actually connect to each other or create forms of data that can be shared. When an enterprise adopts multiple clouds, they don't want them all to sit in their own little cloud walls. They want them to be able to talk to each other. So we, we start with, you can start with composable tech at the cloud layer and you can go all the way up through the applications level. 
Composable tech means harnessing pre-integrated, pre-configured solutions that are already compatible with a cloud platform. It also means that transforming the digital core of a business isn't just a one and done thing. It becomes a journey to being much more continually evolving. Because part of what makes a software solution composable is that those pre-configured tools can be easily swapped out as parts of the system are updated. Rather than the minute you've deployed something, it's already legacy because you're already looking at the next thing. And I think this is an important shift in terms of the mindset of how we think about how we manage our application landscapes. Composable tech allows for seamless sharing, so everyone's on the same page. Which brings us finally, and perhaps most crucially, to the human element. Creating an interoperable company means getting people to work together, as well as the systems and tools they use. It's all very well having the technology, but if people keep driving the same behaviors, if they stay stuck in their silos, they're going to get the same results. You don't just say, let's work together, hurrah. You really think about how do I fuel that collaboration to make it effective so that it's, it's, it's knowledge-based, it's data-based, it's got real information behind it. It's not about everybody sitting around the executive leadership team talking to each other. It's about, you know, when procurement are making a decision, they're understanding the impact that's going to have across finance or across HR because they're all looking at this same data set. So they're coming together as one team and they're understanding it's easier to put each other, put yourself in each other's shoes. It's that behavioral shift supported by the data to enable you to really understand what's going in the business. It's giving them resilience, it's giving them the ability, and that because of that, they can then be they can then lock that additional revenue. It can be a journey for an organization to get to that point. We're working with an organization. They do uh, retail and um, consumer goods productions in the, in the fashion space. They were a company focused on innovation. And hey, we love that. But they were trying to go bespoke in every part of their business. On top of being a cutting edge clothing company, they were also expending a lot of energy trying to differentiate themselves in how they did finance, IT, everything. And the truth is, they didn't have to. And actually they realized their differentiation sits in their product. They could actually operate using standard data models for the industry. They didn't have to build and maintain an expensive and complicated data set profiling all their customers. That was a radical simplification of how the business was run. Suddenly, they had freed up a lot of their company's bandwidth. This simplification of the data set makes it easier to have standardized interoperability, so it's reducing that level of complexity. And you can focus on where your real value is. And your real value, if you're a fashion producer, is in the items, the product you produce, not on how you look after your data. Interoperability can give you a completely new perspective on your business. Fortunately, Emma says you don't have to make the transformation overnight. I think it's really important you can take a step on, a comp- on, on this sort of interoperability without having to do everything all at once. And I think this is really important that enterprises really, so they can take a step towards this integrated data and that sort of single view of the truth without at the same time that they're going through their, their modernization. And this is an important, an important piece, I think, to think about. And maybe you don't drive interoperability everywhere. You start around your core platform, your core applications, and you assess where you're going to get more value, and then you build from there. You don't have to you know, blow up the entire application landscape. You can start in phases and, and take those steps forward. 
So Elise, a lot to unpack here, but one of the things that really struck me that that I really believe myself is that that culture is kind of a fundamental driver behind all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. In my experience, it's certainly easier to just adopt a new tech system than shifting culture. So shifting culture is obviously the more challenging task, but it makes a long-term difference. And what I like about what's happening here as there's more cloud migrations happening is that when you move technology or you shift technology into the cloud, you can also begin to see culture change in tandem. Right. Yeah. And the technology tools that are being developed today really lend themselves to this, right? Like moving to the cloud means it's easier to collaborate, easier to to quickly change things. It might seem daunting, but transforming a business continuously and at speed, it's possible. We have an example for that. It brings us back to Michelle Green and her work with Discover. Frankly, you know, if anybody's run a marathon before and you get to mile 15, you're like, oh, dear God, when am I going to get to the end? This is horrible. Implementations and transformations are the exact same thing. Change is always hard. And what Michelle was proposing, a digital transformation in just 22 months, was change on a challenging scale. But just like you wouldn't go into a marathon without a training regimen, choosing interoperability as a pole star for transforming your business systems puts you on a project you can't do overnight. Fortunately, Michelle is right at home facing challenges like these. I think the success of any transformation really comes down to trust and creating the space to listen to one another. That didn't just mean within Discover. It also meant with outside collaborators, too. Discover had the knowledge of us as an organization, the products that we had, how we do finance, and also the financial services industry. What we didn't have the experience on that we had to look externally in those partnerships was somebody who had cloud transformation expertise and then somebody who had functionality expertise in the applications itself. Moving to the cloud requires loosening the tight grip around control over system design and finding partners who can bring an expansive and flexible tool set to the work. Our first move was to partner with Oracle And to simplify their approach, Michelle and the Discover team knew they needed to sacrifice all that custom code and simplify their tool set. Our guiding principle was that we were going to remain on the standard functionality with no customizations. And so that, you know, efficient standardized approach, that really streamlined what we were doing. Once the team started working on their transformation, they realized that goal was a little more complicated than it might seem. So we had to get really smart on what did standard mean? How could we use it in the standard way? So that became a very thorny issue. And by the way, all of this work was being done during the pandemic. And this was, we did this entire transformation throughout COVID. So all of us were working remotely. But once Michelle's team had buy-in, they really had buy-in. I remember when we brought it to our executive steering committee. So this is the funny part of the story. Our CFO and our CIO had said to uh, us and the, the full team, if you want to customize, you need our blood signatures to do so. <laughs> and so we figured out how to adopt standard and how to shift to that more, more efficient standardized approach of using the Oracle Cloud application with uh, the functionality that it offered for reconciliations. This is one of the places where Michelle encountered a spider's nest in Discover's systems. When we were 
trying to dig into one of our heavily customized applications. It was the reconciliations. For example, if a customer had a bank account, a credit card, and a student loan, it got complicated when they made a deposit and wanted it to go to more than one place. One payment of, you know, X hundreds of dollars comes into Discover. We built technology that could then say that one amount that came in gets allocated to these three different places. That was all customized. Replacing those bespoke tools was a challenge, though. Because you have to have all that functionality in place to say $100 needs to go here, $500 needs to go here, and $1,000 needs to go here. We had to say, what is standard functionality with those Oracle cloud applications? So we had to learn all about those reconciliations. It was a big lift. But once they got the new platform in place, no more spider's nest. Discover's transformation was going to be about following the principles that Emma McGuigan described. The data would be on the cloud and the tools and interfaces would be the industry standard. Our team members became more accountable and responsible for maintaining their applications. And that also gave them an opportunity to develop stronger stakeholder partnerships with their end user community and those who are relying on the information. But it was more than just the technology. The key, that's right, the human element. The spirit of innovation really became alive in those first monthly and quarterly updates that we were doing because people were on the latest functionality. It seemed like everything was on track. The teams were in place. The systems were ready to switch over. But the stakes were high. Getting it right would mean enormous growth potential. Getting it wrong could turn the traffic jam into a high-speed pileup. There's a whole lot of buildup in that 22 months of, oh my gosh, when we flip that switch, is it going to work? Would critical functions stop working? Would customer business be shut down? With the team clicking along, leaping the hurdles and turning red lights green, the time came to bring the new system online. There's good days and there's days where you just, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and say, wow, these are some really complex challenges. And so when you flip the switch and it works because of all of the prep work, all of the planning, everybody bringing their superhero powers to the table, it is the most exhilarating feeling. I still, I feel it right now running through my body, remembering that moment last year. They hit their targets and they got the work done, just as Michelle planned, in only 22 months. People say the implementation was a non-event. A non-eventful implementation is exactly what Michelle is hoping to achieve. Even better than a smooth transition is when the results of the transition start to show. And that didn't take long. Instead of having to go to multiple different systems and triangulate that information into an Excel and, and then validate the sources and reconcile the data, now all they have to do is two, three, four clicks and they get that information readily available to them. Click, click, voila. That moment of revelation is what Michelle's work is all about. When people come to you unsolicited and say, it was worth it. I'm seeing the improvements. It is making my life easier. Of course, Michelle had her eye on the customer side too. Inside Discover, things had leveled up. Outside Discover, things needed to carry on as if nothing had happened. From an outward customer-facing perspective, I would say customers as myself as a credit card or a bank customer, they wouldn't see it. And in a major transformation like this, 
That's huge. Taken with the rest of her work, Michelle's time at Discover has given her some big takeaways for any other brands thinking about reinvention. Something that's standard usually in any implementation is focusing on the data, the access to the data, and the integrity of the data. The second thing that was big, and this is going to be common to any cloud implementation or any shift from on-prem to cloud, is the shift in a mindset to continuous improvement. But her biggest piece of advice? Take stock now, before systems break, and start to plan ahead. I'm a huge planner, so I would recommend, you know, frankly, that people in their business technology functions have a full inventory of their BT estate. And I know there's listeners out there that are saying, you've got to be kidding me. Having that inventory is daunting in and of itself. Every business is unique. So draw out the map that you need to bridge from where you are to where you want to be. That puts you in a frame of reference to say, What is coming out of compliance in the next four years? What do I need to prioritize? How do I get ahead of it? It gives you an opportunity to think exponentially about the change as compared to we have to take out these handful of systems and put in another one. But if you think about it in a much larger context, there might have been a quicker, faster way to get to that. Okay, so at least there, there's so much here, but I, I love how there's actually a kind of a roadmap to follow in making these transformations. There sure is. Let's recap. Okay, so first, you got to start by taking a full inventory before the systems start to break. Yes, know what your systems are that are going to need to play nice together. And then I also love, too, creating a culture of collaboration. That culture ingredient is just vital. And then lastly, once you've got that map and you know what kind of culture you've got in terms of collaboration... Set simplification as a goal. I I think that's just so brilliant, you know? Don't add every shiny new widget that's possible. Try and keep it basic. Exactly. There you go. So today, interoperability is the key to that efficiency. And it's also the key to scaling up. Yes, it just makes sense that when a business's most valuable data can be leveraged by every team, and they can all see how their work has an impact on each other, that's going to mean better performance. Unfortunately, there's a roadmap to follow when it comes time to begin that transformation. To learn more about the ways that Accenture can help clients use interoperability as a catalyst for total enterprise reinvention, download the Accenture Foresight app, where you'll find all the latest insights you need to navigate change. Thank you to Accenture's Emma McGuigan. And it discovers Michelle Green for talking with us. Built for Change is a podcast from Accenture. More episodes are coming soon. Follow, subscribe, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review.